0: The Agile Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Rocket9 Solutions, proudly serving Southern California and Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast is a part of the Agile Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Agile Coffee Podcast. My name is Vic Bonacci. I'm here today with Larry Lawhead. Hi, Vic. How are you doing, Larry? Oh, I'm glad to be here. Me too. So it's a new year. It's 2020 for us. Maybe by the time people are listening to this, it's not quite so new anymore, but... <laughs> Uh, but it 's great to be uh to be working with you and then to have you join me on these uh on these adventures through uh not only audio recording but drum roll please yes video yeah. video <laughs>
1: yeah we 're up in the game
0: yeah we have cliff Rosa on site here today he 's going to do some experimenting with video and then in an upcoming episode maybe episode sixty four we 'll start playing around and putting things on youtube we 'll see how that goes wow.
1: but we 're going to be famous is that it we 're going to...
0: Well, you will.
1: We'll go go to one of those conferences and give our thing about how cool we are.
0: Sitting up on the stage just like we're doing right here.
1: Oh, that's great. Can't wait. Only we'll have
0: uh, (laughs) 40 people in the audience (laughs) then. (laughs) Yeah, if we're lucky. Yeah, it's good. So today we're going to be talking with Van Van Ray. Yes, and Van is uh, our resident Kanban expert. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Man. I, I should say one of our experts because Larry, you are rapidly approaching his level. Yeah, of yeah,
1: it's like I feel like Luke Skywalker, and he's <laughs> and he's the master, and I am just kind of aspiring to get there. Okay, uh, but I am not. I'm, I don't know if I'll ever be a Obi-Wan.
0: I was right. trying to think if he was going to be Obi-Wan or Yoda or Yoda. Vader or where you were going. Definitely Obi-Wan. <laughs> I could see Van as an Obi-Wan. He's got yes. the beard. Just give him a, a robe and yes. I think he'll be all set. Yeah. <laughs> a couple things to talk about before we jump into today's episode, uh, which is going to be all about Kanban. Uh, with the three of us, you, me, and Van. Um, But I would like to say that upcoming, we've got some events. Um, You're involved with the Agile Open San Diego. Yes,
1: it's a great event. uh, We're gathering a lot, a good community in San Diego to show up and interact.
0: So that's March uh, 12th and 13th. That's correct. So Thursday, Friday. Um, in addition to the two days of open space, which I'll be I'll be facilitating the open space down there, I'm really happy. It's the fifth time that um, we're doing Agile Open down there, and I think my second time holding space. Um, but in addition to that, the day before on Wednesday, we've got a an Agile Games day. Yes,
1: it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, Games Day uh, in San Diego, also at the same location at Marina Village. Um, so you could Google Agile Open San Diego.
1: Yeah, and uh, all the information should pop up.
0: And it'll pop up. But the fun doesn't end there. No,
1: absolutely not. <laughs> so we've got
0: Wednesday is games day. Uh, Paul Wineo will be uh, helping out big time with yeah, that. Yeah, great guy. That. Um, we got Thursday and Friday, which is the Agile Open down in San Diego. And then Saturday and Sunday, yes. training from the back of the room. Yes. Same location as the uh, as the open space, just like the next day's. So I'll be down there facilitating a uh, a two-day class on training from the back of the room. If uh, listeners are interested, we do have uh, super early bird tickets available for that. You go to the Rocket9 website, uh, and you could find out uh, more information about that. But I'm going to give you a code right now for 20% off. If you're interested in coming to training from the back of the room in San Diego on March 14th, the 20% promo code is... ACP20 ACP20 will get you 20% off of whatever ticket price, uh, whatever ticket is currently on sale.
1: Excellent. I took this course a
0: couple of years ago and it was really good. Yeah, and you wrote up a uh, blog post about it. Oh, that's it on right. The, yes, I did. On the uh, rocket9solutions.com yep. uh, webpage. So, mm-hmm. I'd encourage uh, folks to check that out. In addition, if you're interested in Kanban, uh, we know you're going to be sticking around listening to the rest of this, but you should also go to rocketninesolutions.com slash Kanban. You can Google it, Kanban Training at solutionscom And you can find out more about the TKP, which is the Team Kanban Practitioner that we're going to be offering in Tustin, in Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. And that's February 27th, February 27th for the Kanban Training. Uh, that Van's going to be involved with. And uh, you'll probably see Larry and or myself there as well. Definitely you'll see see Cliff. Yeah. Cliff's always there. All right. So before we jump in, one last thing. We've got a little bit of Scott Dunn coming up here.
1: Oh, yeah. He's going to
0: tell us about community.
1: Yes. I really. That's a great subject. Mm -hmm. I've, I've learned so much from the Agile community here in Southern California and other places. It's a great topic, something that's really, really worth listening to.
0: Well, Scott, today I wanted to ask you, what's the importance of community in doing
2: what we're doing? Uh, so, wow. So, community is vital. I used to stress this more in the class. I think I may have gotten a little just too used to it. I'm glad you're asking because I think it's, it's probably the best springboard for faster growth because I can look at a book or I can look at a blog but if you and I are talking we can have questions go back and forth several times and you quickly zero in like oh I get it this is the context and not just the zoom in on the interactive thing community gives you uh, this kind of ability to, to tell stories around that these are real lives going on and the story aspect I think is more powerful than just information on some of that there's connections that we make we've introduced people we've helped people find other opportunities or you know they're great next step multiple times um and, and on this it's a side thing but it's really it's really near and dear to my heart every time i see someone who really if you ever know someone like man that guy's really got what it takes they're mm. just you can just tell they're just they're rock stars uh waiting to happen and and you provide an opportunity for them to take that next step like hey be on a panel or hey yeah. why don't you speak at this event <laughs> and i'm thinking about some you know coaches at one of our clients that they spoke at a conference last year that was, I think, their first time. And I, I was so thrilled because I I already—I I knew they had it. And for the whole you know, group of people that showed up to hear their session, you know, applaud at the end and ask them all these questions. They felt like experts, but they had already been the experts. They yeah. just needed that affirmation. So I think when we help people take those steps and stand up in those situations, for me, that's kind of life-impacting. It's really meaningful work. We have an opportunity to do that. We have a platform that we can do that. And I think for community, um, supporting in that way, community is vital. And I just, I encourage everyone to get connected. You'll be really surprised by what, how fast you can learn and the connections you make and how those can really pay back. Yeah. And that's how I ended up meeting you some years ago, five, seven years ago. I can't remember,
0: just through community events. One of the conferences, I think it was in San Diego, we finally uh, connected there, But but I'm when i first started in, in scrum and agile there wasn't too much going on so i had to reach out to the community in fact i started a meetup just so i could start learning from my peers and i thought that was really valuable and, and now look right. at us you know like you said we're we're in our community whether it's um you know just through the work we do or whether mm-hmm. it's volunteering whether it's going to meetups or or
2: speaking at events or whatever it is my very beginning was um David Lowe pestering me, and I didn't know who he was, pestering me to, to go to the Agile Open, which I didn't know what that thing was way yeah, back then, right. going, meeting Jonathan Golden, mm. who then connected me with the opportunity at rallies, where a lot of this took off. Mm. Or or the uh, the mentoring relationship I had with Lisa because I offered to, to be uh, give her feedback on her book. And yeah. I didn't know she was a superstar at the time. I should have known because she had a book. But <laughs> then we ended up having this relationship and connecting. But these are just, hey, I know someone, or hey, you we meet up and then you you don't know what great things will happen afterwards and I, I'm so I I'm always blown away like this is like a ten x or hundred x of those first relationships that had started years ago from yeah. some of that. Cool.
0: So thanks to Scott Dunn for sharing us his thoughts. Larry, did you have any takeaways from that community? To me personally, has meant a lot. It's where
1: I go to learn from my peers. Again, it supports this whole idea of uh, self-organization. It's the community that has the wisdom. It's the community that has the drive and the motivation. So why not go to that community and, and, and reap the benefits of all that?
0: Yeah, and then um, specifically there with Scott, he mentioned, uh, not only did he mention the open space, but even I met him first down in San Diego at the Marina Village yeah, all those yeah. years ago. So, <laughs> so here we are talking about an open space coming up, and, and Scott's talking about community and how open space events and other similar events have, have yielded that, that kind of wisdom of the crowds yeah, yeah, you're talking yeah, to, yeah. the yeah. access to yeah. a network. Um, finally, we want to just shout out Hello Nashville.
1: Yeah, Hello Nashville.
0: Because uh, Scott Dunn has moved out to Nashville. He made it official at the end of the year 2019, and now he's there teaching his not only his scrum master and product owner classes and the advanced classes, but he's got a leadership class coming up.
1: Yeah, he's he
0: meets uh, in Agile Coffee format. Okay, it's not the class, rather, but it's the meetup that he's yes, doing. Yes, it's the yes, meetup. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm
1: looking forward to hearing uh, the re- responses from that because he's got a lot of good topics there, a lot of good... He, he's got a good environment there. You know, Scott, oh, yeah. he can just pull good stuff out of everybody
0: right yeah yeah scott's he, like that i mean he he gets along well with with new people and and asks uh has really good uh ways of of answering the right questions yeah, that they yeah, ask and true. even that they don't ask he, he knows what they need <laughs> yeah, so, that's true that's... Uh, so he's got a meetup page uh you could search up in nashville agile leadership and uh you'll see scott scott's name pop up there and we'll have a link to it here in the show notes At AgileCoffee.com slash episode 63. So that's enough of Larry and I for now. Let's bring Van into the conversation. Yes, yes. Can't wait. Start talking about some Kanban. Agile Coffee. All right. Welcome back to the Agile Coffee podcast, episode 63. Today... I am joined by two of my favorite people. I know I've been working with both of you for the better part of the last year. Larry Lawhead. Hi, Vic. Hi there, Larry. Uh, Larry can be found on Twitter, at Larry Lawhead. And Van Ray. Hi, Vic. Welcome, Van. Welcome, Larry. Uh, Van can be found on LinkedIn. You can find all of our contact information on the show notes at agilecoffee.com episode 63. Larry, you're you're a staple of these podcasts. I love having you join me with the for the Yeah,
1: it's like a habit, you know, you can't get rid of me. It's like a old pair of shoes or something. But I really like these podcasts and they in the interaction we have the the chemistry we have and the topics we talk about are always fun yeah
0: and van it's it's funny this is your first time joining us for a podcast however you came to my very first agile coffee meetup when i started that and then that became the podcast yeah that was many years ago it was many years ago it was back in 2012 i want to say yeah it was a while ago um so welcome to you both uh today we're recording outside in in my backyard so um the topic today is Kanban, which is why I've got you at my place, because I've got a number of projects looking at my backyard that I'm sure we can apply Kanban principles to. <laughs> so, you, so you're really kind of helping me get some of my yard work done, if you think about it. I'll hand to you a rake and some gloves after this. Right, I'm ready. Good to know. alright All right. All right.
1: We're, we're good to go.
0: As I said, the topic, uh, we wanted to talk about Kanban because... Um, you know i joined rocket 9 about a year ago i've worked with both of you at rocket 9 in, in one capacity or another um van you've always been um focusing on on kanban related trainings and activities and workshops and uh, and larry you've been catching up quick to uh to van in terms of kanban knowledge i'm still behind you guys in my level of experience with kanban but we've got we've got more and more clients who are interested in maybe they've been using scrum maybe they've they're new to agile but they've been interested more and more now in kanban as a means of getting their work done whether they're in software or or non-software uh environments and so again with the invitation to have this podcast just on kanban i thought makes a lot of sense this time around because heck here i am you guys can you can learn me something (laughs) Um, Larry, I want to thank you for coming up with a list of questions that we've got for Van. Before we jump into the questions, though, is there anything that you guys made you excited to come to Kanban in the first place? What was it about Kanban that, that you guys value in your interactions that you have with clients?
1: I, I read uh, Goldrod's books on the theory of constraints, mm. pretty much every one that I could get my hands on. That really got me interested in flow. And why flow is important and how, how you filter out or how you discover um, uh, blocks in your flow uh, constraints. And then from there, I got interested in the Toyota production system. So I read three or four books on that. And that really got me excited about flow and about uh, work and how to improve processes. And then um, at the same time, I was reading books about uh, Lean Kanban lean first then lean kanban uh i read a few books about that and and i more and more saw how it fits for a lot of teams teams oftentimes struggle because their sprints get blown up because uh well something happens a high priority item comes in and you you mess up your sprint but you know there is the interrupt pattern that you can use for these kinds of things but a lot of times the interrupt pattern isn't robust enough. And that's where you have to really start thinking about another agile framework, which in this case, uh, Kanban seems to fit really well. And having said that, there's a lot of bad Kanban out there as well as there's a <laughs> lot of bad scrum. So I thought, you know, we've got to nail this down. We've got to have a talk about this.
3: I think for me, uh, one of the things that really opened my eyes to the potential was applying it personally. mm mm-hmm. And for my own work and my own tasks with inside of a corporate job and then actually really it came alive for me when I started playing it at home.
0: Hmm. Oh, interesting.
3: And when my wife and I actually started sharing a personal Kanban board to visualize what was going on in our household and we've probably been using that now for seven, eight years. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, just a couple of the core features being on the same page what are we committed to what's in progress what's unstarted
2: mm-hmm.
3: and just the clarity and harmony and and effectiveness that i've experienced with that uh, that got me started and then and then seeing what it can do for teams what it solves for teams and uh, really came alive in my early scrum education when scrums and the agile frameworks are talked about that kanban often falls under this agile umbrella Mm -hmm. and i've seen that come alive many times yeah and for me um i'd started off in
0: in a scrum environment and went to um my first conference actually in 2012 up in the bay area uh jim benson was there uh talking about personal kanban Um, and I was also introduced to lean coffee at the time, which uses a simple Kanban to, uh, to facilitate the meeting. And, and then also, uh, speaking of around the house, um, you can't quite see it from here, but on the window there, my daughter has her own Kanban board of her chores that she needs to get done every week. So
2: that's (laughs) great.
0: It's great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's, that's great. It kind of gives us a little bit of a, 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 baseline where we all started from, um, I see that, uh, again, Larry, you've got some questions here, and I'll, I'll contribute some questions as well. But let's start off with what the differences are really between Scrum and Kanban. I know that we've talked a lot about Scrum on this podcast. And like I said, I live in a, mostly a, a Scrum world when I'm working with teams, and, and Larry, you do a, a bit mm-hmm. too. Yeah, sure do. But your first question there talks about the, the role of the Scrum Master, and, and is that role in Kanban? What do we have to say about that? I think I know the answer, right? (laughs) There is no Scrum Master in Kanban because it's not Scrum, it's Kanban, right? Yeah,
1: a lot of times teams go... Is there a Kanban Master? Yeah, is there a Kanban Master? Like, okay, who's going to help us with the process? I hear that a lot of times when when you bring up the question of Kanban. So I'm interested to know... uh, what do you do then if there isn't a Scrum Master?
0: Do, do, do uh, people's eyes light up and say, oh, if we go to Kanban, that means we don't need a Scrum Master? And oh, they get really happy? That is or? an
1: interesting question. And no, not necessarily. Sometimes they're afraid, like, who, who's going to shepherd the process? Oh, and right. other teams go, finally. You know, it depends <laughs> yeah, on the team. <laughs>
3: well, and you used a key word there in Scrum with a Scrum Master, a steward of the process and this is where I think Kanban is unique, is Kanban is agnostic to a process. So there is nothing per se in Kanban that would describe a process that is the freedom of, of the team and the context to determine what process makes sense. And there, there are roles in Kanban. There is the idea of a Kanban um, system for the delivery of a service, and there is the idea of a service delivery manager, which can have uh, some similar kinds of things of, of assisting with the team and the flow of the team. Um, but Kanban's to start with what you do now. And with what you do now, often the hat of service delivery manager is already taken care of mm-hmm. with yeah. an existing role um, within the delivery of a service.
1: Like a release manager or somebody like that. Could right?
3: be a re- release manager. Could be um, a whole multitude of things depending on the service it's – it's mm-hmm. being managed under a Kanban system. A when Kanban we talk method.
0: about when we talk about Scrum masters, uh, we oftentimes say that they're protecting of the process. They're they're a servant leader trying to remove impediments. Do those same activities responsibilities then fall automatically to the service delivery manager?
3: No, not necessarily. Not necessarily automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the as you think about some of the 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 practices. The, the starting place of start with what you do now is those things are tackled usually recommended initially with how are they handled today.
1: Oh okay. Interesting.
3: So if you have a Scrum Master
1: already and you're switching to Kanban, uh, you might want to just continue with that kind of a role in place.
3: Well, you, you used a different interesting word there in terms of the idea of switch. Um, you can actually run full traditional core Scrum And use the Kanban method. There's nothing in the Kanban method that would hold you back that would be inconsistent with executing all of the ceremonies deliver on all the artifacts in Core Scrum. And so, that uh, again, that's where uh, Kanban is agnostic to that. It's going to ask for some things that are going to be similar in the sense of being really clear when work is committed to, being really clear when work is delivered, And the clarity in that—that's already built into uh, Scrum. Um, But again, there may not necessarily be a switch per se, and so that's an important point: that you may use Kanban completely and Scrum completely at the same time. Nothing would hold you back from that.
2: Hmm.
1: I have a—I want to play. I want to just kind of dig a little deeper into something you just said. Uh, In a recent conversation I had with a, um, a Scrum master who was thinking about discussing with his team, Kanban, because of these interruptions, Um, he said that, well, we really need Scrum because it gives us a a two-week window and we have to have our work done in this two-week window. And I was trying to explain to him that that's not necessarily a reason for not adopting Kanban. You could still keep that window. So can you explain a little bit more what you meant by... You know, keeping your commitments. How does that look in in, uh, in Kanban then?
3: Yeah, so the idea of keeping it really is when do you commit to the work? So there is the idea for this service under the, being managed of the Kanban method that there is a customer of some type making a request. And what you want is you want a clear demarcation that we're moving to a particular work item from uncommitted to committed where the team is now committed to that work item to see it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And that commitment point, having that clarity with that upstream customer, we are now committed to this work. So does that also apply to a group of things like a release? Uh, It could. It could. A release is usually at the end of the process. And so depending on how a release is managed, it could be an aggregation of features. Mm -hmm. And so that may be a different output from necessarily the work that gets started at the beginning. So you may commit to features features get aggregated, but the customer on the other end is going to receive features, for potentially, or it may get accumulated in the form of the customer receives a release.
0: Here, in just a moment. As soon as that car goes by right. Good enough. So we just talked about, is there the role of Scrum Master in
3: Kanban? What about product owner? Is there a product owner? Well, again, uh, the if there if there is value in having that role kanban would say have that role but the kanban does not imply that there is the idea of a product owner got it okay so if 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 we need to have a product owner go
0: for it if if it's taken up by some other uh if that activity that responsibility is consumed subsumed by some other person or role then then that's fine too um what about the idea of a Of a backlog. Larry's question here says, how do we create and manage a backlog in Kanban?
3: Yeah. So what's interesting about a backlog is that there, if we take Scrum, it's the idea of a product backlog items that we usually have a notion of how they're structured. So we can think of less granular things becoming more granular and then getting to a place where they're ready for a team to Hmm. sprint against.
0: Sure, so how we talk about the uh, like the iceberg of like epics down to smaller stories down to tasks, yeah, we talk about that a lot in in our scrum classes that we have right yeah,
3: right and so that could be a way to structure the work uncommitted work in a Kanban in the Kanban method, but the Kanban method does not imply that at all that that needs to be the nature of a work item got it and so uh, so we have to be careful when we use that term backlog because we often bring with it these things that would be normally true of a scrum backlog Mm -hmm. and again kanban would be indifferent to that and allow you yes if that makes sense structure uncommitted work in the form of stories and potentially epics um, or there may be a more appropriate structure the key is a request from a customer and that customer focus of who is making a request of the service and a customer saying, "I want this," and that's understandable. And then on the other end, a customer saying, "Yes, I will take this."
1: Oh, interesting.
3: And then again, that that may be best served in Scrum-like backlog, or it may be compl- completely different, in the sense of what may make sense. Uh, I know there's a few measures that we're going to get into.
0: Is it uh, lead time? That measures when a customer's request, the time from a customer's request, all the way to when the customer gets it at the end? Yeah, that would be customer lead time. So that would be insane if we lived, some of our, some of the backlogs I've seen have had items sitting in there for years, right? Months or years. Uh, So a customer lead time in
3: that case would be just outrageously long. Yeah. Okay. And the key to that is the idea of the start time from when the customer requests it to when does the customer receive it. Mm. And that'd be customer lead time. Okay. And then actual uh, lead time, in the spirit of the system, is the time from when we commit to doing the work to what the time when we've completed the work and the customer's received it.
0: So if there's no backlog necessarily, it could yeah. be. But if there is no backlog, then when do the teams meet for planning? Like again, I know. Sp- scrum has sprint planning and it has backlog refinement as well and those are two of the key activities for for teams to meet with planning there's others but those the primary ones does kanban prescribe anything around specific planning meetings or events
3: yeah actually there is the idea of kanban cadences oh okay and there are seven cadences within kanban and some of them are focused at the Uh, individual service level or I'm going to also say team level which again sometimes those are synonymous sometimes they aren't but I'll just say team for now and there are some team level cadences that Kanban would recommend and then there are some cross-team coordination of the seven Kanban cadences so one of the team level um, cadences or meetings we can say Kanban meetings as well would be a replenishment meeting
0: Ah, yes
3: no, it's making sense. And <clears throat> replenishment is, uh, can cover a suite of things, but, again, that idea of replenishing the system with work. And, again, that, that can be at different levels of frequency uh, that may make sense for that particular team.
1: So let, let's, here's a scenario that I was given to recently. I have projects that I'm supposed to work on as a team. Then I have uh, customer support tickets that I'm supposed to work on as a team, and I have then random requests from various managers that I need to work on. Those are so different. How do I get all that into a workflow? How do I... One is big, huge project. Another is emergency stuff that has, has to happen all, right away, or it's prioritized, one, two, and three. Priority ones will go first. And then you got these 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 eternal interruptions from whoever has the highest pay, whoever has the highest pay grade the in the company, right. yeah, the <laughs> hippo. So the hippo, hippo work items. So how do I manage all that then? How, how does that work?
3: Yeah. Well, and again, th- there is, there is no prescription for how that's managed in the sense. So the, what Kanban would make available would be what I'll call some methods and tactics to bring that under management. And so a lot of what you just described there, I'll just pull off a couple pieces and we can see where this thread goes. You mentioned one, interruptions. So the, the idea of an interruption being that we, some new work item is shown up and it's more important than the work that we're doing now. One way Kanban would address that would be a, what's called a class of service.
1: Oh, that's helpful.
3: And that we can identify different work items that should be handled in different ways and that we will uniquely handle certain work items with a class of service so we know in advance say I'm an infrastructure team I've got um, a major time critical systems update that must be done Mm. and we know that's got to be synchronized with the rest of the organization and we must handle that above other work that kind of work can be handled with a unique class of service, mm-hmm. and the Kanban board and the Kanban policies can be set up to recognize that and that work to be handled differently, and for that work to flow through the system and not be treated the same way—a different class of service on that's non-time critical.
1: That's helpful. What, <clears throat> then, in my mind here, I have a, if it's uh, if you're going to handle this later on, let me know, but then what's the difference between a simple work item and a class of service?
3: Well, a class of service is taking a work item and understanding um, for that particular work item what service level is appropriate for that work item. And we just may have, and again, that's just a, a framework that could be applied, and when the work item request arrives, we then need to know enough about that work item to then assign a, an appropriate class of service. And that's a signal for the work to be handled differently. Good, good.
0: Um, so we said at the start of the podcast, uh, right before we introduced you guys, that we do have an upcoming class that you'll be leading. It's the uh, a One Day Public Team Kanban Practitioner Class. These topics that we're talking about now, they're all part of that one-day Class, You're going to be talking about things like um, starting with what you do now. You're going to be talking about these service level, uh, the cadences, these seven cadences, the class of service, right? This is all covered there.
3: Um, Pieces of it. Some of these are advanced topics. So one way to think about the Team Kanban Practitioner, TKP for short,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. is equipping an individual to be a good Kanban corporate citizen.
1: Mm. <laughs>
3: what, what do I, as an individual, as part of a Kanban um, team, um, need to understand to be an effective team member? Some of the topics we're getting into have to deal with the design of Kanban systems and have to do with even larger um, themes of managing multiple services and some of that. So there'll be exposure in the class... But the focus again in that one day is what do I as an individual need to know?
0: That makes me feel better because I'm listening to a lot of this going, yeah. man, I've never heard of, class of classes of service and all these different cadences going on, um, nor have I taken the one day class yet. So, so that'll be coming up uh, here in a, in a few weeks. Um, th- this is really helpful. What should we ask next? Well, I would like to know real quick, okay, I've got all
1: this. and I'm a happy man, but I want to go beyond the normal Kanban civics class. I want to get into something a little deeper. I want to understand classes of services. I want to help my team uh,
3: create their
1: work item types and, and understand cadence. So where do I go to get that? Yeah.
3: So great question. The, the follow-on f- after the Team Kanban practitioner for those who are – um tasked with designing and managing Kanban systems would be the Kanban management professional courses from lean Kanban university. And there are uh, two that I would recommend. Um, and those KMP classes are KMP one and KMP two. Hmm. And those are two day classes. And that where is where we'd get into a deeper dive of the design of a, of a Kanban uh, system. and, clarifying some of these things, dealing with these cadences, dealing with uh, work item types, dealing with classes of service, dealing with some of the features that can be considered more advanced in visualization of it, and then dealing with some of the other key pieces for uh, an effective Kanban service, such as policies would be covered in KMP1 and 2, in in terms of a deeper dive of creating those and understanding those, and uh, a whole suite of topics. But in summary, KMP one and two would be next. Yeah. So, where do I go to get that? I'm ready to. I'm ready to sign up. If you're ready to sign up, I would say go to Lean Kanban University, and they've got a, a great place to find events, and you can go find a KMP one or two in your in your area, your locale. That's All right. Thanks.
0: You just mentioned uh, something else. You mentioned policies, and I know we had a question on question on that. Um, um, what are policies, and, and how do they work?
3: Yeah. Policies. So policies are the idea of making explicit the aspects of the flow of the work and the design of the system. Uh, Key part of this. By the way, this is one of the six general practices of Kanban. Okay. Is make policies explicit. And I'll, I'll demonstrate or describe a couple by example. One example that's a very powerful policy is how is work prioritized. Okay. As an example, to capture at a high level. For a service, for a customer, and for the team, this is as work arrives, this is how we determine the order of which it should be worked on. That to be documented, shared, and understood. Yeah. That would be an example of a policy.
0: Oh, that's helpful. Good. Um, when we were talking, Larry and I were talking about Kanban a few days ago in the office, and you had written a policy basically at the top of each of the columns on a Kanban board would that be right
3: yeah
0: so you can have a policy that says kind of like when are we ready to take work into this this new is it you call it a column or a lane or a yeah right and when can
3: it leave that that lane or that column right exactly okay and making explicit so i'll, I'll use a software example if we had a particular step where we're going to do architecture that we would want to explicitly identify when that work item in that phase of architecture is done so that we know when, when it's, it's, it's ready for the next stage in the work. And a policy would then make explicit what features need to be true about that work, ideally right next to the board, either virtually through electronics or in paper, if it's a physical board, so that there's no mystery to what it means that that work is ready to be started or ready to be finished.
1: It almost sounds, to a certain extent, like policies could also be working agreements. Is there a, is there a yeah. connection between the two, or are they fundamentally different?
0: That's how I was thinking of it, too. Like, working agreements, um, kind of definition of done, definition of ready. Like, a lot of these that we're using with our teams already um,
3: sounds as, as if they all kind of belong to the category of policies. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely. And definition of done is a great example in terms of that. And as a working agreement and in Scrum, that would be an example of potentially multiple definitions of done as the work flows through the system and potentially an explicit, uh, more explicit for a customer handoff at the end. Yeah, a good so point. the customer understands, hey, when you receive it for this work item, this is what done looks like. In that cust- There's no ambiguity with
1: the customer. He knows, he yeah. or she knows. When it reaches, gets ready to be put in my hand, this is what I can expect.
3: Yeah. And, and a key item of policies, and it's important to understand is that this is where it's a little bit different than what I'll call traditional corporate policies, is these are living things. Mm-hmm. As we're learning more in a service about the customer, as we're learning more about how we can improve the flow of work, policies will be adapted and changed and updated along with that to incorporate those learnings, So yeah. they're not a one and done kind of thing. They're adaptive,
0: which is exactly what I tell people in my classes too. When we talk about working agreements or definition of done, these are living documents. They're dynamic. They should be made visible and then reviewed often. So, mm-hmm. excellent, good. Um, if you don't mind me asking, like it might sound like a dumb question, but but when do we even when do we want to use kanban as opposed to other forms of of organizing our work are there are there clear examples of when kanban is is really like the way to go or or examples where eh, maybe kanban isn't are, are there any kind of clear guidelines you have around that
3: yeah it's a, it's a really good question well it's larry's question so <laughs> <laughs> i'm just reading the card here well there we go <laughs> um so where I often hear that, and I know realize you, you didn't ask this, Vic and Larry, this might have been implied, is when do I use? When should I use Kanban instead of?
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: that's yeah. often that's often where that gets. There's kind of a question behind the question.
0: Yeah, because again, going back to the classes that I teach, I say, hey, in these cases, you know, something like a simple Gantt chart, like waterfall, is fine. In these other cases, Scrum might be the way to go, and, and here in these cases, try Kanban, but. I don't know,
3: I don't know, I haven't yeah. used
0: Kanban, so yeah. Yeah, instead of, I like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. so uh, the, there's a broad, the broad theme of that, that I, one level of answer, I would say knowledge work. Mm. Mm-hmm. And most of us today work in knowledge work. If it's not knowledge work uh, in terms of things like manufacturing or f- fixed goods, even though there's incredibly powerful um lean kanban systems in manufacturing the kanban method that we're talking about is for knowledge work so that's for one level the question behind the question sometimes is when should i use kanban instead of scrum Mm -hmm. so let let me tackle that one and then briefly and then you can we can riff off of that where that can arise is challenges that teams would have with being able to keep a commitment to a sprint Because of the dynamic nature of new work items arriving. Mm -hmm. So if in a context, there's a team, they want the benefits of an agile framework, they want transparency, they want self-organization, they want all these features, but they're in a situation where if I fixed what I said yes to for a sprint, which is normally two weeks... I would be incredibly challenged to meet customer need by staying fixed to that commitment. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Oftentimes we're thinking of like an operations
3: team or a support team. They might fall into that category. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So that would be one to say, I can't fix to that. Um, The other, and and Scrum is um, very explicit and very powerful in this regard, of asking for particular roles to come alive and be exercised. What the Scrum Master does, what the product owner does... Um, very powerful, very useful, but also potentially very disruptive. And there can be situations where the organization and team is not ready for that transition into an individual, for example, having a product owner role, as we understand it, with all of that authority and all of that commitment to determining the frequency or the priority in a backlog. Um, I say to people, though, that, that Kanban's easier to get started but it doesn't require any less discipline. <laughs> than yeah scrum. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so to to get started is easy but it really is start with what you do now and that all by itself can be a reason for a team to start and say if I start with what I do now, I don't have to change the flow of work. I don't I'm I'm not necessarily um being committed to a sprint, I'm not being committed to these change in, of roles and product owner, I'm Scrum master. My organization or team isn't ready for that dynamic. Kanban be a great place to start. Then where does it get complicated? If you say you start with where you
1: what you uh, what you already do, then then doesn't seem to me that Kanban is it's very complicated.
0: Uh, it's not in the beginning.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew that
3: there was something behind the curtain
0: <laughs> it, and it seems to me like you just said it too um, it requires a lot of discipline Oftentimes, when teams ask me hey can't we just go Kanban I, it feels like they're saying hey can't we just like cut out the discipline of meetings, of planning, of yeah, yeah. whatever it is that Scrum is prescriptive on because they don't see that prescription in Kanban and they think ah, it's probably just easier, there's less that we have to do but I tell them no. You, you should probably think about getting Scrum done right first, and developing these habits, developing a discipline, before you try um, jumping into Kanban. And that's that's mostly because I don't know what Kanban is, too, <laughs> right? Is, does that resonate? That that you it does require more discipline, maybe uh, maybe than it comes off as
3: initially. Well, I think it, it, Getting started is easy because it is start with what you do now. Yeah. And what it starts bringing to the table is, as you think about practicing the, the six general practices, the first one is visualize. Yeah, And when we take our knowledge work and we start creating transparency by showing to our stakeholders, showing to our customers, showing to the team itself, this is what's happening. Here's the work that's being requested. Here's what we're working on. Here is what we've completed. Um, It's incredibly informing just through that visualization some of the challenges the team is facing. And what Kanban can offer over time is getting to a place of predictability and getting to a place where you actually have really a true Kanban um, application of a true pull system. Now, I use that pull system in the idea of until we start maturing to a place where we're introducing, placing limits on work in process mm. and introducing WIP, we now have, with WIP in place, the idea that I'm only working on so many things at once, a new signal to tell the team and customers we are ready to start more work. And... As teams grow, as they mature, they start applying some of the practices, uh, the goal would be to, to get to that place where um, you're getting some of these more advanced benefits that can flow from applying the full Kanban method. Exactly. So I, I met, talked
1: with a company a couple of years ago where they said Kanban broke. You hear you often here. Hey, Scrum doesn't work for us. Scrum broke. It's, just, well, it's this agile thing is no good at all. It's thrown out the window. They well, broke the Kanban. They broke Kanban. And so, yeah. so not only can Scrum be broken, but Kanban apparently also. Now, here, here's the scenario. You just mentioned um, work in progress limits, and and I mentioned this during our conversation that these that uh, you know what would hinder them from creating work in progress limits, and the answer was. Uh, I want to be able to give my team work anytime because we are so much under pressure. We have so much to do. We have such demanding customers that I should be able to shove something in uh, the to-do lane anytime that time arises. So, obviously, the team wasn't empowered. Okay, that's one issue. But she was, at the same time, This this individual was kind of complaining that we have... Uh, what is it, 25 or 30 things in to-do, people are working overtime, they're all uh, unhappy, most of the team is unhappy, and they were losing team members. So fix Kanban for us, please. <laughs> and we did talk about work-in-progress limits, and, and that individual made it very clear that that's not going to work for us. So mm.
3: how do you fix Kanban then? How, how would you address that issue with that individual? Yeah, it's a great question and in terms of where my mind goes to there's a couple of things there's some there's some kanban principles that i think need to come alive in an organization but tactically i'm going to go to the kanban practices and just briefly six kanban practices visualize limit your work in progress manage flow make policies explicit feedback loops improve and evolve experimentally
0: yeah
3: and if you're going to get the benefits out of uh, applying Kanban, you, you, at some point, if you neglect one of these general practices, uh-huh. uh, you're going to break Kanban. <laughs> That's good. So,
1: so, Kanban can be broken the same as anything else.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, what's important to these is that these get applied over time as a team evolves. So, you don't start with a team applying all of these at once. Mm. For example, WIP. okay out of the gate it's understood, and let me let me tap to the Kanban maturity model mm-hmm. and in the Kanban maturity model, there is a recognition understanding that there is a place along the maturity spectrum that that is a step um, for a team to grow into mm. so even as we say these again, not all of the the fully mature team practices. All of those in place need to be there from the get-go. So that's why it's hesitate to say broken. But if an organization is absolutely adamant, one of these general practices will not be (laughs) how we're going to work, then you're going to struggle to evolve Kanban or potentially break an existing Kanban. There's an issue. So so it's the
1: same thing. Uh, uh, Like any other agile framework, it's going to show the rocks in the river. It's going to show the rocks in the river. So what would you have said then, you have uh, three or four team members, they've, they're so tired they can hardly listen because they've worked the last four weekends, they're doing 80 hours a week, you have the manager at the other end of the table going, well, I have to interrupt them like this, I have to be able to push something into uh, the to-do list and assign it to someone, which is another topic altogether, uh, how would you settle that argument, how would you address that issue at that table with those people?
3: Well, it's a great question. And, and unfortunately, there are work environments where there is no argument. It's actually, this is the way the manager works. Mm. <laughs> I see. <laughs> mm. so, so let's peel that back. What's actually the argument in place? Not that either you or I would want to work there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that is the way some managers work. So um, we, we, we would need something from leadership for a commitment for some other principles to be applied. Mm-hmm. If it's okay to work 80 hours a week... Um, And if it's normal, in a sense, to say yes to everything that arrives, then you will get the results of that system. You will get overburdening. Mm -hmm. You will get burnout. You will get morale issues. You will get retention issues. And the understanding is in applying some some basic system thinking in the sense that I understand these are urgent. These are some some short-term actions that... In your organization, are going to have some consequences. Would you like to address that leader to um, have different consequences come to pass? Oh yeah.
0: So you called these the six. The six what practices? Yeah, yeah. So the first two I'm, I'm familiar with: visualizing your work in progress and keeping your your whip low. Is like I think what I remember it limiting as. Limiting whip. That's limiting right. whip. Yeah, that's right. and uh, and again, if if I just do those two, I feel like I'm. I'm practicing Kanban enough on a personal level. I can, I can understand why Kanban is important.
1: So that would clean up a backyard, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I got quite
0: a few things going on. A lot of, a lot of whip in my backyard. Um, why is whip so important for pull? For, and Larry, again, this is your question, so maybe there's a context behind it. When we talk about a pull system, teams that are ready to take on work... Uh, so they pull it in as opposed to a, a manager or someone else pushing work onto them. Um, why is keeping a low whip limit important for pull? Is that what your question is? Yeah, it is. Exactly. I, I run into this a lot uh, with teams that have uh, adopted Kanban
1: kind of on their own. And inevitably, I'll see uh, work item type being finished and they push it in to the next column for somebody else uh, to do, and that person gets overloaded real fast. Sounds
0: like uh, Lucy and Ethel on the uh, conveyor belt uh, yes, with okay. the candies. More <laughs> candies getting pushed to More them. More candy, right?
1: yes, <laughs> indeed. So, they, so then there's this conflict between, uh, I don't know, the analyst and the dev person, for example, because well, yeah, the analyst can get that work done faster, and they push it in there, and then that the dev lane just column just fills up till oh man, there's pain there. And then, of course, you go, well, we need to be more cross-functional. But that's hardly the issue here. The, the, the issue is, how do I flip it from being push to pull?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's, gr- it's a great question. And the I think there's a lot of things that go into that. I think one of the keys is to understand the, the issues of what's happening in a push system. And you just said it, right? The dev's overloaded. Yeah. And... Where We often fail to recognize the cost and the overhead of unfinished work items. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: so easy to overlook. But yet, you have unhappy customers, ultimately, because it just stacks up and you lose track of your predictability and the whole system begins to crumble.
3: Yeah. So so a simple diagnostic can be, again, to understand it, is from the point in time when the customer requests it and you say yes, mm-hmm. when do you deliver it? Yeah. And that we know an overburdened system is in an introduced delay.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a very good point.
3: Hmm. That's exactly so what's going on. is the rate of flow of value to the customer adequate for the context? Mm-hmm. And if we realize, no, that we would be um, more sustainable, we would be healthier, we would be more flourishing in a, in a different way if we were delivering value at a, at a different rate with more predictability, that we would be healthier. Mm-hmm. and have happier customers and ultimately. have happier customers
1: and have happier people doing the work yeah, yes. Yeah. no more 80 hours
3: so that predictability, that flow of value and that rate just, uh, just encourage leadership do a little math on what's happening today and one of the things that might emerge is um, we're starting a lot of work we're not finishing at the rate we're starting exactly, that is so so important and the other key in that is not focusing on a isolated stage in the work, mm-hmm. but the overall flow of value to the customer. That, that overall system, overall system that? from customer request to customer yes, delivery. Exactly. If my analysts are cranking out faster than my devs, there is not value in that from a customer point of view.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, the customer. If you were to tell him, "Well, our 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 analysts are working faster than our devs," I don't think that customer is going to care. All they want is their stuff. And they want it when you told them it was going to come. Absolutely. So fix the problem. They don't. There's no value to yep. them.
3: So it's, though it's wrestling with some of those things, realizing where are we at today, and then stepping back and, all right, let me take a systems perspective on this from my customer. And now, what are some things that I can do to make it different? And realizing that a push of just new work in is rarely ever going to actually deliver on some of those things we just mentioned for the customer. So pull, if I can
1: summarize it in my mind at least, is is going to make the whole system
3: more predictable. Is that what you're saying or is that? Absolutely, absolutely. Now pull is again the idea of what signal am I getting that I'm ready for more work? Yeah. And if I get that signal, and, again, as I limit that, I can introduce a whole other suite of wonderful things about the nature of that system creating value. What would be some of those? Uh, improve cycle time. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. There you go. Improve cycle time in the sense of if it normally takes me. And, I've, and we've, we've had the clients that have experienced this. Yeah. Even a, a team, that a very complex cross-functional team, that normally would take 12 months to deliver something new for a product. Um, as a result of introducing some of these themes, dropping that significantly.
1: Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So That's great. how how much have they been able to reduce their uh, their uh, throughput or oh, their lead time? Sorry, got to get the right
3: word here. Got it. yeah, <laughs> their lead time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a complex question, and I. I I hold back a little bit because there is what I'll call a statistically valid answer for that uh-huh. that I want to acknowledge. And that requires an accumulation over time of oh, yeah. getting some of those data points. Okay, so it's a little unfair so, to kind yeah, of but, but if you were to
0: guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: You're not going sign- to let him off the hook. Right? Significant, I would say 20, 30% improvement. Whoa, Whoa. Man, oh, man. That's uh, great.
1: Who do you know that wouldn't want that? Yeah, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. Now, I hesitate in saying that um, in terms of oh you will get that automatically
1: yeah
3: understood but but just i would say go study the the power of small batches yes yeah. go yeah. study exactly. the power of focusing on finishing and not just starting yep
1: yes yeah stop and starting
3: start finishing start yeah. finishing yeah <laughs> like that very um, good yeah yeah and you guys have seen it with in other oh, yeah. oh yeah oh right? yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah so what what other questions should we be asking here. I mean we we've we've, at, we've thrown a lot of uh what I would think are curveballs or hardballs at you. <laughs> Fastballs at you. Uh what what types of questions do you get when talking to clients who are considering kanban?
3: I think some of the the questions are uh, around what is it in terms of just basics mm-hmm. and a lot of times people have a passing knowledge of it that think it's just a board. Yeah, like me. That's what yeah, I think. exactly. Right? And so sometimes the, behind the question is, uh, well, it's just a board. Does that really get us anything? And it's, it's to help them get exposure to Well, a board is part of the method that isn't some of the only things that you need. Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe not asked, but helpful in a client and understanding if it's a fit. So let's talk about these practices. Let's talk about some of the principles behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the things that I think is incredibly important that I communicate early, if I was to summarize the Kanban values, and would be summaring up in the word of respect. Interesting. Yeah. One of the practices is feedback loops, mm-hmm. and to have I shared this, in this way to have authentic, factual feedback without ego or politics. Mm-hmm is a rare golden treasure Mm -hmm. it's a gift it's a gift (laughs) and to um, discover sources of dissatisfaction from your customer and adapt to them to evolve experimentally that you've got to embrace some really key themes and some of these values and I would summarize it with respect Mm. that's interesting so
0: Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming class then. Um, it, like we said, it's a one-day class. You're teaching it. Um, what, what do we, if I was going to it, and I will be going to it, what, what am I going to expect to, uh, to get out of the one-day TKP class?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. There's, there's kind of a suite of things, and I think exposure to these uh, Kanban practices I think is really important to that. You'll get some exposure to that and some and deeper understanding. One of the things about this class that I think is really powerful is that you're going to get a hands-on simulation of in, around your table of using a Kanban system and a Kanban board. And we use a simulation. There's a lots of great ones out there. In this particular class, we're using one called feature bond Feature bond, Feature right. bond. And it can apply to all knowledge work, though. Sometimes you hear feature, you think software. No, it could apply to marketing. It could apply to HR. And through hands-on experimentation, uh, that, that team and that individual around the table carrying this out is going to get a really good feel for some of the fundamentals of interacting with um, Kanban and a comfort level with what can accomplish. What we also introduce in that is the concept of WIP and what happens to the flow of work when we embrace limiting work in progress. And there's always a the powerful ahas that come with that yeah. and understanding that. Yeah. You're also going to get some exposure to, to even some of the broader things that we talked about today yeah. so you can understand where can I go next in um, growing in my Kanban knowledge and, and maturing in my application of the method.
0: And you mentioned uh, something about this being a pilot class as well, piloting kind of a new means of, of using kind of a different teaching method, um, yeah. using training from the back of the room.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the Lean Kanban University uh, continuing, evolving, and, and updating all of the curriculum. I'm very excited about this one. For this particular c- class right now, I've had the chance to be involved with a working group and taking... The teaching style of from the curriculum around training from the back of the room, Sharon Bowman, and updating the, the TKP class, applying some of these principles from uh, TBR into the class, makes it very exper- experiential, Yeah, makes it very hands-on, makes it very interactive, yeah. keeps people engaged. And oh, people
0: you're... remember it more.
3: I mean, study yeah, after yeah, study exactly. shows that people remember what they've learned in that. if yeah, they're, they're, they're teaching themselves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that, that's fun from... Uh, a trainer point of view and as we've all experienced in terms of teaching with that style that it's it's outstanding for the learner as well
0: so as we wrap up here um where can listeners learn more uh what what resources are there out there i mean we we've mentioned a couple of uh or at least i've got a couple of books i can i can mention do you recommend any and or or other things beyond books videos websites
3: uh in addition to the class itself gosh there's so many resources out there um, so it's hard to narrow it down the classic is David Anderson's uh referred to as the blue book yeah so I got to give a nod to that one um, in terms of uh, uh, that particular one uh, on Kanban so that's one that I definitely recommend um, depending on where you're at in the journey I'm going to recommend f- uh, two that I think impacted me significantly and that is and you mentioned it as well it's Jim Benson's book yeah Personal and Kanban. personal Kanban yeah. so i think I think Jim Benson's um, personal Kanban mapping work navigating life mm-hmm. and if you're new to it, that's a great place to start because he's addressing of what it looks like in in you in your life another one that's by him that I highly recommend is wide limit whip oh, oh yeah yeah okay. and as you're thinking about potentially hey what could this solve and address and how can I enable um, a more uh, powerful flow of value to customers. Getting your understanding of why WIP matters, I love the way he explains it in that.
0: I'm guessing that both of those books are not hundreds of pages. It might be 150, 200 pages or so. Um, I've got Personal Kanban and also Why Projects Fail is another one. He's got a really great writing style, a lot of good stories in there as well. Um, I read a book called "Making Work Visible," which I also like because it talks about the different thieves of time. Dominica de Grandis uh, wrote mm-hmm. this book, and, and it, it's helpful. It's been illuminating talking about where where our time goes when we're when we're not limiting our whip and <laughs> <laughs> and watching the flow. Um, other resources? Uh, what about that
3: practical kanban book? Is that something you'd uh... yeah, absolutely, highly recommend that Klaus Leopold and that the practical Kanban, rec- that one, really enjoyed that one. Couple, many themes in there, too many to address here, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I really like about that is getting a vision for the how Kanban can be applied above the team. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And portfolio level application of it and all the way up to the enterprise. And that I think is really, really powerful. And I, I really like his introduction to that.
0: Great. Any other. Uh, videos or blogs or anything else that we want to highlight here and by the way i'm going to put all of these uh resources list them all on the website for this episode that's at agilecoffee.com slash episode 63 you can find a list of all the books and everything else that we're uh, we're
3: talking about here yeah yeah gosh um gosh there's so many good ones out there uh, it's, it's hard to narrow it down Um, One of the things that I I really enjoy, again, depending on where you want to start, there's a lot of excellent videos online from some of the global conferences, Mm -hmm. both in the U.S. and Europe, Asia, India, and there's a whole suite of speakers, so really recommend giving a chance, and you can get uh, all levels of experience, and uh, some case studies on there, so I'd recommend looking up some of those Mm -hmm. videos from past conferences. Those are powerful. And you can get a taste for um, organizations and what, the, what problems they've solved, value they've created for applying some of these enterprise-level principles. Oh, this is inspiring.
1: That's pretty important.
0: Anything else from you, Larry?
1: I think I've got it. I was just wondering if uh, you could give us a, just a real quick future look into Kanban. What, what, what do you see f- in the future for Kanban?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. What I, what I, one of the things I think about it is Kanban today reminds me of probably what Scrum was like maybe 10, 15 years ago. Hmm. And I realize different people may have different points of view, but when you think about David Anderson and writing that particular book and realizing, you know, that wasn't that many years ago that some of these things evolved, yeah. as you... Yeah get exposure to the stats, and I don't remember them detailed, the rate of growth around the world of people um, being trained in it and applying it. its The rate of growth is just significant in the last three years. And so what I imagine is that, is that in the years ahead is that there will be a growing understanding that the Kanban method and what can be realized from applying these is a first-class citizen to realize Agile outcomes. This is really important. And that across the organization, not just in software, but in all knowledge work, that there'll be a growing understanding of what can be gained by thinking and applying some of these ideas and principles.
0: So that's a good tip out there if you're listening and, and you, and you uh, are considering a certification to put on your resume. <laughs> Talk about that, uh, that TKP certification now because if you start practicing uh, Kanban with your teams now and start learning, getting experience come five years from now or 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 maybe sooner yep um you're going to be highly in demand it sounds like uh with more and more organizations discovering the power that kanban can bring to uh to helping a a team and organization realize their their goals and delivering value um i want to thank you van thanks for this this is really helpful It, uh, it answered a ton of our questions uh, hopefully it, it answered questions for our listeners as well. And, uh, and finally, just knowing what to expect in the upcoming uh, Team Kanban practitioner class, it's, uh, that helps me kind of prepare then for that class um also want to thank larry lawhead larry can be found on twitter at larry lawhead van ray uh can be found on linkedin is there any other way you prefer people to
3: to try to get a hold of you these days um that's a great way and probably a key is you if you do a search is that my last name is w r a y so silent w so van v-a-n w-r-a-y and uh linkedin's great and uh I'd be happy to respond or reach out to anybody that if I can be a resource to. Them. And
0: uh, oftentimes we're we're pulling you into Rocket Nine uh, endeavors and engagements uh, so if you wanted to um, visit rocket9solutions.com and uh, and ask away uh, once again, episode 63 is in the books. Uh, thank you gentlemen for being here.:
1: Yeah thanks man. This is really helpful.. Angel. Coffee.
2: Angel. Coffee.